Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sour and Sass. I am very excited to be joined by the founder and CEO of Trust Radius, Vinay Bigat. Welcome to the show, Vinay. Thanks for having me, having me, Garrett. I'm delighted to be with you here today. And How did I do, by the way? Because I, I, That's my number one question. Do you understand? Every time I go, I'm going to ask them how to say their last name. And then I universally forget. So how did I do? You did fine. did great. I did fine. I didn't do good. I did badly. That's the <laughs> ultimate. That's, that's a pro answer. How do you say it? I want to hear it the, the right no, way. It's actually Bagat. You know, in, in, there's, a, there's an Indian way to say it, and there's an English-American way to say it, which is Bagat. But, uh, What's but, the Indian way of saying it? Uh, Buggets, but nobody, nobody, Buggets. nobody, nobody says it that way here. So, well, my last name is Mergut, and that's the German way of saying it. everyone else calls me Mer- Mergeth or something. So, I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. Um, I want to start off with a high level question before we get into some details, which is B2B marketing, right? You exist with a lot of data, you exist in this kind of space with Trust Radius. What, what needs to change instead of saying like you know what should people do what what should people stop doing in your mind with b2b marketing uh the number one thing is 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 be more authentic um buyers are intelligent buyers are informed buyers have access to information today so i think brands that really treat the buyer with some respect and understand that a the buyer wants more control over their journey and B, the buyer wants to get to the truth as fast as possible. And if you can serve those two things up to them, you differentiate yourself, pure and simple. I think I think you got a point, Vinay, but I think what happens is this balancing act. I know you've probably experienced this yourself, and this is where I think we run into trouble because I'm right there with you. I love to study direct-to-consumer. So I study the houses. I study the ugly uh, drink. I study all these brands that are doing this in direct-to-consumer because I think that's the winner in B2B is the people who can create this authenticity in their brand yeah. that creates differentiation at the brand level in a world that just has all, everybody with characters on their hero page, right? Like that's kind of SaaS, right? Like, and then you get this other space. Now, the reason I'm saying this is though, is B2B, what happens is, is we all want to increase our average order value. Yeah. And then there's this belief we have, it's almost like a lie that the more we charge, the more we have to keep our brand at an arm's length away. And you get this like commercialized brand archetype that Cisco and Workday. And I mean, I can go down the list of every publicly traded SaaS company mm-hmm. that maybe stock trades for over $100 a share has this like brand that sits between them and their humanity, if that makes sense. And it's like the IBM model of old. What? How do we get away from that? Or do we need that? You get what I'm saying? Because that's like what's going on. I think those brands are starting to change. I mean, we work with both Cisco and IBM, for example, and um, they've both embraced authenticity in terms of um, customer voice. So, for example, Cisco works with us to drive public reviews for all of their products, um, and they don't cherry pick, and that's really, really important. Um, A lot of companies are really controlled about who they allow to go on the record. Um, They'll only filter out NPS nines and tens, and and uh, you know, and only send those to review sites. Cisco and 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 the groups that we're working with at IBM are actually going out to all customers. So wow. we're in their community. We're in front of all of their customers. IBM has us embedded in their applications. So the offer to give public feedback is open to absolutely everyone. And then the second um, aspect of what they're doing is they're incorporating that voice of customer into their own channels. So Cisco has embedded 
dynamic review flow, syndication we call it, into a lot of their product pages. And there are, there are definitely in terms of what content shows up. So no brand really wants to have that one star review show up on their page. But you can say, I'll show everything from a three to a five. I want to show things that speak to this theme or certainly to this product. So there's some, there's some control over it, but there's still the authenticity there of it being from a third party source and being the customer's own words versus something a marketer has written. And what we see is when brands do that, it creates trust. But from a data level, we see a number of different benefits. Um, you know, IBM is seeing about a 38% lift in time on page where they've incorporated this type of content. When they put a heat mapping tool like a hot jar on the page, you see a ton of activity around the quote carousel. Yep. And that's because buyers want that content and they're also trying to find frames of reference they can relate to. They don't want that big quote from an executive at a hot company when they're a middle market manufacturing company. They wanna know what the people like me feel about this mm -hmm. product. And that idea of putting that content at their fingertips is essential. It also helps with, with SEO because all of that content gets crawled by Google. It helps them rank on more keywords. They can mark up how they show in search to make sure their reviews show up. And so there's a benefit there and it also impacts conversion. So this is smart marketing sense. So savvy digital marketers are realizing that this strategy not only is philosophically aligned with serving the buyer, but it actually has a, a very hard economic impact in terms of conversion and SEO. So that's what I see these brands doing. And even some of the old, um, you know, the large industry, industry giants like Cisco and IBM are embracing this trend. It's been yeah. gratifying to see. So does it sound like to me then, so for everyone listening, you believe that B2B SaaS is going to go kind of like e-com and like a yacht po where if I've got a platform, right? So if I'm like a platform company and then across my platform, I've got three products, let's say within my platform, right? And then I can have reviews for each thought, th all three products as well as my platform, kind of like what many of your competitors do in their own review sites, but they aren't, they haven't translated that to their clients landing pages, if that makes sense. Correct. Like there's not this, right? Like you go on Capterra, yeah. you know, and then you'll see like, it's like I did this for exactly, right? Publicly traded uh, yeah. sales compensation software. They break all their products out. So you have exactly, and then they have exactly enterprise, exactly small business. And then I could position them on enterprise software and then small business software for sales and have yeah. them on the list. But yeah. then it doesn't translate to the landing page. So does it sound like to me, your vision is to get that to more of the landing page of a Yapo model to then drive yeah. that action? Yeah. And, um, it's not just the landing page, you know, it's core information pages. So if I'm on a core information page, understanding sales compensation software, there's a value to having that social proof on that page too, both in terms of providing, again, more trust cues to the buyer, but yeah. also helping with SEO. So SolarWinds puts us on a category page for IPAM software. Yeah. They're now the number two ranked term for that category, search term IPAM software because of that syndication. We work with exactly the one of our customers and they breadcrumb our content certainly into information and landing pages, but also enable their sales team. So we've got mechanisms to spoon feed reps and SDRs with that same content. So if I'm prospecting, yeah. I'm going to get a higher response rate if I can reference someone like that person with a quote. If I'm, an ex I'm, a, if I'm a sales exec, if I'm competing in a competitive deal, and someone raises an objection or tells me they're competing against, you know, we're competing against someone else, or I have intent data that tells me I'm competing against someone else, 
I want to deposition my competitor. And yeah. so giving that the, the reps that intelligence at their fingertips is critically important and then giving them the content at their fingertips yeah. is important. Also, when you use social proof in an ad, you get a higher response rate on the ad. When you, when you use it um, in a nurture sequence, you get a higher yield. One of the things, so does that mean at TrustRate, because I wasn't aware of this, does this mean you're kind of pursuing a G2 model where you're serving up the data of people who are visiting these category pages back to certain brands that choose for certain sponsorship levels or something like that? Is that? We provide, yeah, because um, fundamentally, so TrustRadius is a research platform. So when you look at kind of the architecture of quote unquote review sites, you've got yeah. lead arbitrage platforms like Captera that frankly do a lot of paid media and compete with the brands that they serve. They, they do good top of funnel lead generation for certain markets that fit. Well, yeah, they get a click for 20 bucks on Google and they resell that to 10 other people for eight bucks each. And that's their margin. Right. And they do that all day and they'll rank number like they'll rank number one in Google ad and they'll try to yeah. rank top three in organic. Yeah. That will give them, let's say, 35 percent market share for a query. And then they're double dipping essentially yeah. across. It's a great business model. But from a buyer perspective, um, it's not really oriented around serving the buyer because, you know, basically you, it's a buyer on those category pages. So you just see lists of products. If you want to go read the reviews, it's two to three clicks deep. It's actually hard to find the reviews. And number two, the listings are based upon who's paying them the most. So it's not serving the buyer. So what I it's not right. authentic. It's like so, Yelp now, and I go on my phone, I got to scroll for like two hours to finally get to the actual non-sponsored well, listings. And at least they're transparent that these are sponsored. Captera, there's a little queue that says these are rank ordered by sponsored. But I yeah. only know because the sponsored are orange because I live in that world and the non are blue because I have to audit them all day. But nobody knows that. It's kind of fake. Right. right. And on their PPC pages, they only show sponsored brands. On their organic pages, they show both, but they're rank ordered by the dollar PPC value of the brand, not the counter reviews or the score or anything else like that. So it's misleading to the buyer fundamentally. The other thing that I'm really trying to do differently on the buyer side is provide substantive content. Take your exactly example. Yep. So there are people, there are SMB players in their space who have much cheaper solutions. There are also people at the high end like Anaplan and Verisense. Um, you know, exactly doesn't need to just get visibility and get consideration. They want to build preference. Yeah. And you can't do that if you just focus on like how many reviews do you have or what your score is. Buyers don't buy like that. They want to understand which is the right product for my use case. And the only way to tell them that is to A, give them stories they can relate to from people like them and B, give them enough substance to have them tell the difference between a product. Yeah. The number one complaint I hear from buyers is I can't tell the difference between these two products. They use the same marketing language. And so the only way you're going to get to the truth is to see what customers have to say. So we spend a lot more energy than any other platform trying to tease out, you know, actual insights from the buyer about what's the use case, what alternatives did you consider? And then we work with the brand like exactly to actually help them tell their narrative. So if they're more scalable or if they're better for mobile or if they have better customer support, let's not hope that the customer is going to say that. Let's guarantee it by asking them the right questions. And so that serves the buyer because the buyer can start to unpack the differences, but it truly serves the vendor because now your differentiation comes through screaming loud and clear in your customer stories, in your reviews.
I love that. Now, this is sour and sass. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you have warheads or you got toxic waste? I'm doing a toxic waste right now. So, let's get wild. All right. You want me to do a warhead or a toxic waste first? Your choice, man. You're the guest. Okay. Let's start with the toxic waste first. Oh, my gosh. I am nervous. So, I'm doing a lemon. Ooh. Hard to peel. Oh, man. I feel like, you know, we're dating and you're like this new artist. I'm about to tell you that I know more about all the other artists in your genre. But I'm curious. So this is the way I see the landscape. And I want you to help me reinterpret the landscape, how you see it, and then where yeah. Trust Radius fits. Okay? Yeah. So I have Gartner, not the holdings company, but like Gartner, the brand. Yeah. And they do their <laughs> it's, it's sour, I know. They do their uh their insights. Yeah, they do their uh, tr uh what the hell? Why is my brain breaking right magic now? Magic quadrant. Yeah, they do their magic quadrant, thank you. <clears throat> um Forrester does their wave. Mm -hmm. And I've got those two people that kind of lead this analyst research part of the industry. Mm -hmm. Um I've got millions and millions and millions of dollars of B2B SaaS spend. Mm -hmm. Those are our top performing uh, non-purchase intent assets across. Mm -hmm. We measure all our top offers for our clients because it helps them inform mm -hmm. what do we position at what stage of a buying journey. Yeah, Analyst reports yeah. crush it everywhere, yeah. whether it's yeah. a landing page, Google ads, LinkedIn, they crush yeah. it. Yeah. But SDRs like them. They don't love them, if we're being honest, because they generate awareness. And depending on where you're ranked, they help. And it's a good lead gen, but it doesn't just mean you download a Gartner asset and now there is intent. So sometimes right. there's a gap between essentially MQL to SQL with these analyst reports. And I'd, and I'd also say that if you're not top right, it's questionable whether you should be sharing it. I mean, yes, you'll get a lead because someone wants that asset and they see right. you as a free way to get the asset instead of paying partner. But does Are it you advertising for the leader or yourself? That's what's so crazy to me, right? And so. Exactly. That's the thing that is ludicrous to me. Like, if you're not top right, I would not be sharing that asset. So let's go to the next one, though, right? So you have these guys up here, and mm -hmm. then you have G2 who's kind of playing this in-between game, right? Yep. So G2 is the weirdest one, by the way, in my mind, of all the review sites because they used to go left to right. So it was horrific with Legion because people don't understand left to right. They only understand top to bottom from a UI standpoint, number mm -hmm. one. Number two – it's really now an SDR offering more than it is. Like, so if you go across all our channels, yeah. G2 struggles to drive leads. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, truthfully, I don't really know why, but G2 doesn't drive leads through lead gen. It does through like sales development. It's good for sales enablement. You've yeah. got their grid, but yeah. it doesn't drive leads, right? And then below that, I've got Captera. Mm -hmm. If you're a company you can serve anyone, yeah. And everyone, Captera is great. In other words, if you're like product-led, yeah. low cost point, high access, Captera is great. And then I've got software advice, right, which are both owned by Gartner mm -hmm. on, on this other end. That's like really good if you have a unique niche. Like we do ERP, but only for architects. They're yeah. good at sending you like on a PPL model, like yeah. architect leads with 100 plus seats. That's what they're good at. Where does trust radius fit in this? And like, what, why, why do, why are those not enough for SaaS companies? Yeah. Yeah. We're all about the customer. Now let me explain that. 
So Captera and Software uh, Advice are um, our lead arbitrage platforms, pure and simple. And again, if you have, if you're in a kind of highly fragmented industry like construction, architecture, or project management, where it's essentially a commoditized space, people know the category and they're just trying to get a list of a few brands to talk to, it serves that need. And as a vendor, you have to decide whether you want to pay, pay the, you know, the money. You want to play the game or not, right? Like yeah. it's kind of, but they're going to rank. So you're either not in that category. If you're yeah. not on their app, it's kind of like you have to almost. So that makes sense. Well, it's an economic question, right? Do the, does the cost per lead make sense? And do the win rates make sense? Cause you know, those leads are getting sent to other people, right? Yep. Now, G2 um, has really done a great job of building a brand, but they've really centered around their grid, their two by two, right? They want to be the crowdsourced alternative to Gartner. Also, the way the algorithm of the grid works, it's, it, it's, it's tied to volume. Both of the axes, the, the satisfaction score and the market preference score, if you go in and actually read the details of the algorithm, they're tied to your counts of reviews. We don't do that beyond a threshold because we think that's pay to play, but it causes a force. Well, it is when they offer $10 gift cards to everybody. It forces a mechanism where vendors feel like they are in this rat race to be in the top right in the grid. Now in less crowded categories, having a good position on the grid makes sense, but in many categories it's gotten so crowded that the grid is kind of meaningful, meaningless now because it's just noise. In, well, in that's so Vinay, that happened on Clutch.co. So my industry has Clutch.co. Are you familiar with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I serve mid-market and enterprise. Mm-hmm. And this is what's so hard about the review game. Mm-hmm. I actually did the SEO for Clutch. This is irony. Like they hired our shop to help them, but I can't show up in their darn grid because I, my agency only purposely has yep. a f- like fewer accounts. Like we have less than a hundred accounts, let's say, but our average order value is 10 X yep. out of, you know, local SEO.com who serves Joe Schmo's plumbing shop and Susan's bakery. Yep. They have 10,000 clients. And so they look like they're the best because it's by volume. Is that kind of what you're referring to? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. that makes it weird because it's not about who's actually best. It's and, just about who has the cheapest okay. price. Well, yeah, who has the largest customer base, which generally aligns to SMB. But the other thing that happens is in the review space is that a lot of vendors, if they have a large customer base, can just peel off their NPS 9s and 10s and send them to review sites and, and, and bias their scores. That's why on sites like Garnet Peer Insights, just before the award season happens, you see a proliferation in reviews and an escalation in scores. And none of the review sites except for Trust Radius moderate for that behavior. Because left unchecked, you can't trust the scores on a site, right? So we've got an algorithm that puts much more emphasis on um, on, on independently sourced reviews. And we, we encourage and reward vendors um, like Cisco who are willing to go to 100% of their customers to invite reviews from all of them. We've got something called true certification. Now, my philosophy, and it's backed by data, is that yeah, buyers care about scores and position on the grids, but it's only 7% of the audience or the page views on my site is focused on, on, on that content. 93% is on reading reviews and reading comparisons. People spend um, 15 minutes on a comparison page on my site, which means that they're not just scanning a score, they're actually reading what people have to say. Because at the end of the day, the reason I started Trust Radius is we bought an HR platform. It was top right in the in the Gartner quadrant, Magic quadrant. It was a good product, but it wasn't right for us. We were a high tech company, and it was 
optimized for manufacturing. We made a mistake. And this whole idea that a one size fits all two by two makes sense is just freaking ludicrous. Yep. Everyone has their own unique use case. If I'm a, a company who wants to engage an agency and I need someone who's more enterprise or you know attuned to my business, uh, I'm not going to get that out of a two by two. I need to actually filter and find people who work with people like me. And I want to read what they have to say, what the experience is like. So where I'm trying to play in the market is being all about the customer. What does mm. the customer actually want? And our research suggests that the buyers actually crave two things. They want to hear from people like them and they want to hear um, a reasonably detailed exposition of what the customer experience is like. What is their use case? What sort of ROI have they achieved? Why did they pick this solution? What is it actually like to work with this vendor? And then other things like, does it integrate with the rest of my stack? How much, how much is it? You know, what's the value? What's the value that they're getting? And you're not going to get that from a two by two. No, now, I agree. I mar think, yeah. Marketers like two by twos because they're easy. They can tout them. And we have what we call trust maps on our site. We yeah. give out awards too because marketers won them. But from a purely buyer orientation, buyers care a lot more about the substance of what someone actually has to say. And so that's our focus is actually trying to get customers to share rich insights and helping buyers use those insights to make decisions. Comparison pages work. There's huge volume for them. Yeah. Yet most of our clients are still nervous of them. What do you tell the people who are nervous to building their own comparison pages and owning that narrative and they're scared of it? Because those are the same people that also aren't necessarily going all in on trust radius. It's like yeah. they're trying to control their own narrative. Yeah. And in 2021, oh. it's not really a thing anymore. And so how do you help people get comfortable? Like, let's say Zoom Info is a client of ours. Mm -hmm. um, like, what would you tell them? I don't even know if they're comfortable with this or not. But like, how would you communicate to them that they should have Zoom info versus Clearbit on their website. There's a thousand people searching for yeah. it. Yeah. Trust radius already ranks there. Captera ranks there. G like everyone's already ranking there. Everyone's already looking. You yeah. need to create your own page. What do you need to communicate to get that breakthrough for executives? Well, number one, I mean, just from a pure economics perspective, you can start to rank on that page and start to drive organic traffic versus having to pay for referral traffic from all the reviews platforms you charge you per lead. Yep. But there's a pure economic argument for it. Two, if you're worried about um, seeming too self-serving or being too aggressive, lead with the voice of the customer. So mm -hmm. what, what we do in our, in our review questions, we ask them what alternatives did you or products did you replace? We do work with Zoom Info. So there's there's an enumeration there around what else people looked at. And sometimes people use multiple products. You know, we use Zoom Info and Clearbit because they have different purposes, Same. right? It's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not one versus the other in some instances. And so the buyer really wants to understand where does this product really excel? Where is it not so great? And so we can capture that content. And then there's a curation platform on the back end where the vendor can say, okay, this is a quote I want to use. It, it's, it's, it's on point. It's on message. I'm going to tag that as a competitive quote, Zoom Info versus Clearbit, Sales Intel, or anyone else. And then you can dynamically feed that content to a landing page. So we worked with a company called Trankite that was acquired by Cision. Yep. Um, they uh, were in the PR space, and they competed against Meltwater. They had a really effective landing pages like 
uh, I think the tagline was, um, you know, let your worries melt away. It was a play, play on words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had a feed of quotes that were all on point about why people had switched from meltwater to Trankite. Initially, they juiced it with PPC. Um, mm -hmm. Eventually, it started ranking as like the number one or two organic search result in Google for meltwater versus, versus Trankite above Trust Radius. That was number two. And so, you know, it, it's a, it's a no-brainer strategy because it's a, it's a way to get you know organic traffic, you know, and, and it's high converting paid traffic when you start that way, and um, lead with the voice of your customer. And yes, you're going to put the thing supportive to your narrative, and of course, your competitor can turn around and do the opposite to you. But it's it's a bit of an arms race, and you got to you got to use the tactics at your disposal. I love that, Vinay. We got one more piece of candy, and then you said something that I'm going to drill into here because I'm actually excited about this. I want to hear what you what you think. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm going to do a warhead now. All right, let's do it. The second one's the worst, by the way. Heads up. Mm. Yeah. It's like the first coat's primer. This is the real show. Mm. Now, you said they launched a page. They initially juiced it with paid traffic, mm -hmm. and then it ranked organically. When mm -hmm. you're entering a competitive category, Vinay, like ERP software, mm -hmm. Do you juice that category of paid traffic yourself? Does that work? I don't know. Like, I've never done it before. I'm the SEO paid media guy. I've never done the, like, you know, we want to go after this query with a cornerstone piece of content or a cornerstone category, let's say for you, right? Where I know i got a high average order value. I can charge a lot for this placement. Think big ERP software, like most expensive software out there, right? And maybe I'm not ranking number one. Maybe I'm number five, number four, or I'm number eight. Beyond just like internal linking, external linking, the game, right? Better content, better UI, better mm -hmm. everything. Do you ever pay? Does that help in that space? Do you know if competitors do? I've never, I've um, never like, heard practically ever heard anyone say like, this is what we do. Cause I've done it on YouTube, by the way. Yeah. It works. Like I'll yeah. do a YouTube video. I know the YouTube works on engagement. I'll pay for cheap traffic, get the engagement up and then it ranks organically. And I did a study yeah. with Brian yeah. where like where we ranked organically for a keyword in YouTube paid for traffic. And then we would be in the top five and worked like every time. Mm -hmm. but, do people do that for Google? Like really? Like, does that work? I, I, I'm, this is probably more your domain area of expertise than mine, honestly. Um, I've seen people doing work. We haven't done it ourselves. It's, it's a great question. Part of the reason we, we don't do paid media ourselves is I don't have a lead arbitrage model, right? I can't directly monetize traffic like a Captera to where they can pay A and charge B, right? My, my platform is a, the monetization strategy is more of a SaaS model. Okay. where we work with brands to build their review content on our site. Now, we do have things that scale. With it's like G2, content. by the way. G2 has a SaaS model, correct? It's yeah. like you two are kind of the, the people who do that approach. Correct. Our business models are actually pretty similar. Our <laughs> philosophies are different, but our business models are, are, are similar. But yes, we do have intent data that scales with volume, but it isn't a linear thing where it makes sense to really spend a lot of money on paid media. It makes 100% sense if you're Catera or software advice because you can directly monetize this traffic. And I believe it does make sense if you're a brand who's trying to, you know, again, rank for some terms. But one of the, here, here's a technique we're using now with that, our, that is um, really working well, is when you, when you, the primary reason people have first put syndicated reviews on their site is to improve conversion, right? We've seen yeah. brands like Theme get a 70% lifting conversion, um, you know, Matillion, 25, 30% lift. It's just, it's just so a no-brainer no strategy. But the thing that we've also discovered is it helps SEO because if you, if you put enough content into the carousel, 
it gets crawled by the Google bot. You don't get penalized for duplicate content. Yep. Um, and all those keywords, the, the buyers, the customers are using and helps you rank for a lot more long tail keywords. And then secondly, we've also changed our widgets such that you can, in your organic search engine result, you can mark up your review count. So you, see, you start to see the stars like an e-com and get those click-through rates up in the search. Correct. And we're seeing those click-through rates rise. And so some of the brands you've tested this are seeing 15% more organic traffic wow. to the pages that have the widget. I believe that, by the way, because I, I, that happens on e-com all the time. I don't do e-com anymore, but back in the day, I kind of did local e-com over to everybody. I mean, we would see that same thing, right? We do it with our SaaS companies, but we had to cheat it like because we'd have to like – because you have to make the reviews visible and crawlable on the page, and then yeah. you have to mark those up. And so we would do that back in the day, but they, nobody had a good widget to use, if that makes sense. Like Yelp gives you that widget that does it almost naturally. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to hear that you're doing that for SaaS because I think that widget play is hyper effective as like a – through your vendors, like people like myself who can sell that on your behalf and recommend it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really clever. Intent data in closing. Mm. I think it's crap. I'm just going to say it. Um, and I don't mean all intent data. I mean the Bombora intent data. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like I've tested it. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, go to Bombora right now, download their intent data for your category, and you tell me if you – and then go call those people like I did, and I've did it many times. Yeah. They're not in the freaking market. Yeah. So – Intended it. Like, is it crap? Is it not crap? Like, how could it work? You know, like, I'm using intent signals, yeah. but that's usually firmographic related. So, what yeah. I had to do is I have an Ahrefs API, SEMrush API, SpyFu API. I can see how much you're investing in performance marketing. I then built a logarithmic score. And then I can take that. Plus, if you have a, let's say, a CM, like a CRM, like a Marketo, all right, you're a mature advertiser. You're a fit for me and you'll be higher on my score. Yeah. But that's not intent data, if that makes sense. So, like, right. does it yeah. work? But, well, I mean, not all intent data is created equal, right? So there's three different types of intent data. There's first party, okay. what people are doing on your site and in your marketing automation system. So clearly, that's a very strong indicator of intent. If people are coming to your site and they're not job seekers. <laughs> so if they're visiting certain pages like pricing pages, product pages, um, and they're responding to certain campaigns. That's high quality. We all love that. We all believe in that one. It's yeah. uh, what are the other two categories? Uh, third party is what Bombora does, right? Which is is aggregating uh, click data and and keyword search data as well. Right. They've got like, a JavaScript snippet on millions of websites, and then right. they look at the pages they visit on those websites, and if those match, the, and when they scrape on um, your uh, interest, they'll say, "Oh my God, this person's interested in SEO." Because they looked at some post on how to do SEO, not how to hire an SEO agency, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's that. And also because the volume is so high, it's a, it's a very low quality signal. There's a high uh, noise to signal factor there. Now, yeah. it may be slightly predictive, better than pure kind of, you know, ICP-based advertising. Um, and so if you're viewing, viewing it as a top of funnel strategy to kind of think about, you know, where to, you know, how to direct your ad spend, maybe it's in there in addition to your first party data. And then, of course, the ABM platforms make it easy to take that kind of data and take the first party data and, and, and do some predictive work as a result of that. Yeah. The other class of data is second party data where um, the real the three suppliers really that I think of in that space are Ask G2 and Tech Target, where it's our own platform. Now, tech targets very different. It's a media site. Most of the visitors on their site are people who 
are reading articles or have been pushed there through a very aggressive email marketing program that Tech Target does. Um, that's a source of data. I've heard some brands get value out of it. Our data and G2's data is based upon people reading reviews, running comparisons on our site. Now, the reason why I've heard our data is particularly good is because our high quality content, A, attracts a very attractive audience. You know, 51% of the buyers on my site are from enterprises of above 1,000 employees. We skew much more enterprise than anyone else in the space. And so if you care about enterprise marketing, that's a fit. And number two, because people are spending a ton of time on my pages, like my comparison pages in particular, that's a high fidelity signal. And also the nature of what they're doing indicates intent, right? You don't right. I'm comparing products if, um, you know, you, you're not serious. And so... Um, Can I bi-directionally sync that to my CDP? Yes. Um, you can you can pull it through an API into a CDP. You can uh, we we we're working on in direct integrations to LinkedIn and to. That's what I'm saying. Can I match the pixel? That's what I'm saying. Like, can I take that and then build an advertising audience off of it? Correct, correct. You can, and we can also push it directly into Salesforce to route to salespeople and SDRs. I love that, Vinay. That's an amazing feature. You and I, we're gonna have to talk offline because it. Every one of your customers is mine, which is hilarious. <laughs> so this is awesome. This has been amazing. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Uh, if people want to follow you and Trust Radius, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, happy to happy to connect there. Um, also, feel free to email me, Vinay at TrustRadius.com. I'm, I'm usually very responsive. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Vinay. This has been amazing. And uh, that's Sour and Sass, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Garrett.